Smartcast. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Welcome to Think Business with Tyler, sharing our methods and strategies for success. Join in on our conversations with business owners as we highlight their triumphs and detail how they overcame the challenges they faced while continuing to grow and scale their business. It's time to think life, think success, and think business with your host, Tyler Martin. Being okay with being uncomfortable, in the first couple of years, the revenue fluctuations of a service-based business were a real challenge for me mentally. You know, some months you have some real dry months, and, uh, and that's tough. But coming to terms with that, embracing that there, there's going to be a lot of discomfort, and that's okay. That's a big learning curve, and now, now I've become accustomed to that. Everything's much easier, because I'm okay, because I know that something's intense or bad or, or risky or worrisome. I know that in two months' time, I'm going to be sitting back and relaxing, thinking, God, this is an easy life, because that's the roller coaster that you can be on. So that's a massive uh, learning piece for me. Today's guest is Will Russell from Will Russell Marketing. Will believes imposter syndrome stops people in their tracks, causing many to quit before they ever achieve their greatness. Today's guest landed in the U.S. with no job, little money, and serious question as to whether he could succeed. Now, Will Russell from Russell Marketing is a successful business owner. In today's show, we will learn Will's favorite quote when dealing with imposter syndrome, why mindset is so critical in business, why every business owner needs a turning point to really excel, and why you shouldn't ask your family and friends for advice when you're trying to validate an idea. Today's guest on the Think Business with Tyler podcast show is Will Russell. Will is a marketing expert who specializes in helping entrepreneurs validate their ideas and execute successful launches. Having spent the first decade of his career managing launch marketing efforts for businesses of all sizes in the media and nonprofit space, Will has a unique perspective on the attributes of successful launch campaigns. I'm super excited to have him here today and talk with him. Will, we've been looking forward to this conversation. How are you doing today? I'm doing very well, thank you, Tyler. How are you today? Uh, I'm great. When I was going through your bio and just learning about you, I I was really excited for all of us to learn about you. And I I know you have a lot of wisdom to share with us today. I hope so, yeah. Thanks for having me invite. Sure. So, Will, you have a great story of success. Can you share your amazing story with us when you first came to USA to start a new life? Sure, yeah. 
I, as you can tell with the accent, I grew up in London in the United Kingdom and moved to the US in 2009. And at the time, I just had a one-way ticket. I didn't have a plan. I didn't have anywhere to live. I didn't have... I had about $800, if I remember, in English pounds, of course, if I remember correctly. And I just thought I wanted to give it a shot and see see what moving to a new destination would, would be like. Uh, I spent... I hopped around a little bit. I spent the first part, I was in, living in a trailer park in St. Michigan. And then I moved to, uh, I lived in a basement for a while, at a family home in the, in the Blue Ridge Mountains in North Carolina. And then I finally made it to California, uh, where I stayed in some spare rooms and pool houses for a while before eventually finding myself a, a good job and, and an apartment in San Francisco about about 14 months after I left. And that was when I think I felt, okay, you know, here we go. I can, I can start building from here. And I mean, people often, people back then especially said, you, know, you can't do that. And, and now people like yourself and perhaps your listeners, I think, gosh, that sounds quite intense. And I guess it was, and I was naive to think that it would be easy. And I told myself, Pretty frequently as well. Can, can you do this? Can is this possible? Can you really just get up and move and leave your home and move to a different country? And uh, I later learned when I started my own business, there's a phrase for that, and it's called imposter syndrome. Uh, but at the time, I I didn't, I wasn't aware of that. And I guess I mean I took the action, and it was it was out of my unity in a, in a lot of ways. But it taught me in a wonderful way that you know. Anything is possible, so to speak, and gave me a lot of confidence uh, in the entrepreneurship space as I as I started my own business. Can you dig deep a little bit for us on the imposter syndrome? It's very common. We hear it a lot. People struggle with it. A lot of people struggle with it, and they're not even coming from another country. It's just we we constantly have this self doubt. What are some things that you can tell us about overcoming it? Yeah, well, I think one of the I felt it a lot when I started my business, and I have obviously a lot of people in the US know Ricky Gervais, the comedian, but he's British originally, and I've been a big fan of him ever since uh, early days of the office. And uh, I still now have his quote on my fridge, and, and it says, The best advice I ever received is no one else knows what they're doing either. And I read that very early on in my business. Path. And things like, you know, quotes, I really like, I'm a big fan of quotes because they're just short, sharp reminders of, of objectivity and take you out of your, your, your inner critic, your inner mind, your subjectivity and remind you of kind of a bigger, broader, universal, uh, universal themes around things. And Richard Gervais' advice there, of, you know, no one else knows what they're doing either is, is great. And I think that's just a, that sits with me and similar quotes sit with me and remind me that everyone's just giving it their best shot. You know, everyone's giving it their best shot, uh, working as hard as they can to achieve what they can. And, you know, no one's sitting there at all ominous and, and knowing everything. Everyone's just giving it their best. And all that's all I can do. And so, sure, I do feel like an imposter. I feel like that now. I'm starting, a, I've been working on a foundation. And I feel like, what do I know about that frequently? At the moment, it's, uh, I'm just reminded to, to get my head down, 
do my best and that's all I can do. And who cares if I'm up in the, in the end, I just want to give it a shot. I love that. I, you know, even for me, well, I'm a little bit older than you <laughs> and I've run a couple companies and have been successful at it, but I still have self-doubt. It never goes away. And I think what you're saying is you don't let it lead you. You acknowledge it's there and then you decide how you're going to overcome it and not let it stop you from progressing. Is that fair to say? Yeah, absolutely. I think that's very fair to say. Just remind, remind yourself that everyone's in the same boat. And, uh, and we'll just do what we can. Yeah. I also love how you, some to some degree, live by quotes. I think I agree with you. You can really, a quote can really, in a very few sentences, say a ton, a good quote. And they can be a great way to kind of lead how you want to be or how you want to live or how you want to be successful. They can be a, a, a good guideline for how you want to do that. Is that kind of how you see it? Yeah, absolutely. I Back when I started my business, actually, uh, a while back, uh, five, six years ago now, I used to have quote lists, and I had two documents of just quotes that I would look at regularly. And even now, I have quotes right here, I have quotes right here, I have quotes on the inside of my cupboards. Just, it's really, especially to an independent entrepreneur, well, everyone's independent nowadays, aren't they, with, with COVID. But even before that, I like, enjoy being alone. So I'm often on my own. And it's very hard. It's very easy, I should say, to step into internal doubt and uh, be critical in, in your thinking of yourself and what you're doing. And, and these quotes for me are just quick reminders uh, to step away from my own head sometimes. You wrote in an article where you discussed you had four failed product launches, and it seemed like it was a tough period for you. What caused those fail- failures? Can you share with us a little detail about them and what in, what you learned from them too? Yeah, at that, at, that, at that time of that article, I think those were particularly impactful because they were some of my first failures, and there have been more since, as I'm sure you experienced. You know, that's just part and parcel of trying new things. So at the time, it was it was pretty painful. Uh, those early failures, you feel, if you're experiencing them for the first time, you can feel very personally responsible uh, rather than looking again objectively at kind of what are all the inputs and outputs here, what are some of the other causes that, that have done, done this, and what was my role, just being more objective about it. I would say, I mean, the biggest thing I learned from those early failures for the client launches, but also my own, uh, is just keep plugging away, really. There's a because it will only it will only become a, a, a long term consequence if you kind of dwell on it, you know. And there's a there's a Arnold Schwarzenegger says something great. He says something like, "You only fail if you don't get back up again when you fall." And I think that's a very true statement. But you only partly learn these things through falling. You know, when you first fall, it sucks and it feels like everything's ending. Uh, but then once you've got a few falls under your belt, they still suck, but it's much easier to kind of step away from it and be a bit more objective. Uh, so I think that's probably a big thing I've learned is, is not to think that they're not going to happen or how to avoid them because that's just impossible, uh, but how to deal with them and manage them in a way that doesn't affect you, your mindset, which really is, I'm sure you know as an entrepreneur, mindset's just so so important that if you can keep your mindset in the right place, 
a lot of the things will fall into the right place too. And I love something you said, you know, after the fact of having a failure and looking back on it, it's always easy. But when you're actually going through it, the pain of it can be very challenging. And it can, if you let it define you, you don't get back up using the quote of Arnold Schwarzenegger. But when you look back on it, it's such a learning lesson. So I love that you really talk about that and and you've overcome that. And I agree, mindset is just such a huge product of being successful when you're running your own business because a lot of times there's no one coaching you on. It's just kind of, you're your own coach. And um, if you let the the ebbs and the flows over, you know, just get to you too much, you won't develop and grow. Well, that's, touch on that, that's actually, I think that same article that you referenced, I reference how important it is to have someone because doing it on your own is incredibly hard and sure, these quotes uh, are reminders to step out of my own head, but they're just pieces of paper on a wall. Having someone, having a coach, a mentor, a mentor for six years, and it's invaluable, not, not necessarily because they're able to tell you what to do, but just to have someone to help you be objective and think clearly and uh, get a different opinion and step away from your mind and not be constantly in your own thoughts is incredibly important. Hey, I want to move forward to today. We just have to know, what are common problems that you see in product, product launches right now? Like what are in the current market and atmosphere? Can you share with us? Sure. I would say that Two things I see. Number one is uh, validating your product or, or lack thereof. And number two is over-expecting based on what you see in the market. So the first one, it's astonishing the number of people that validate their product by thinking their product's the best product, rather than actually getting data from their audiences to determine that. Uh, so there's astonishing the number of people that will invest a heck of a lot of money and time without actually validating, do people want this product at this price point? That's a big mistake we see. The second one is, in the, in the product launch space, there's obviously a couple of big platforms like Kickstarter, Indiegogo, and it's very easy to see the successes, and people see these big million-dollar campaigns, and, and they, they think that's common. And that's a real mistake, because it, it's really not. But they see it, they think it's going to happen to them, and there's a big disconnect between expectation and reality based on their plans or their particular product. Uh, and, and entering the journey of launching your product with those high expectations for 99% of people is going to lead to a disappointing experience, even if it's successful based on what they, you know, their potential, but they, they just have incorrect expectations. And that's a that makes the whole journey a big uphill battle, which is, which is tough for Yeah. Setting expectations when you're working with clients is a big one. And especially when there's some case, there's some appeared case studies that are really high successes. And so that becomes the perception right. and you kind of have to right size that. So that, that's an awesome point. I know you have a five-step marketing launch system. Can you share with us? what that is and how that encouraged success in your process? Absolutely. So the five-step system is, is something we've been, it used to be a four-step system. And then about two years ago, it became a five-step system where we introduced an entire step, step one of validation, which I just mentioned. 
because too many people were, were, were just not doing that correctly. And we knew that in order to be successful, we had to make sure that was done. So we introduced a new step, step one, which became validation. Then the remaining steps, to quickly list them, uh, audience acquisition, audience engagement, audience conversion, and then scale. So it's just all about preparing for launch, building your audience for launch, getting people excited for launch. That all happens during the validation, uh, audience acquisition, audience engagement phase. And then you're going to move into this conversion phase and scale phase, which is when your product's out there, you've launched, and it's time to you know, start getting people to take their credit cards out and, and make those purchases. And the reason we talk about the system a lot is it's just a really easy, digestible way to move someone through that journey. A lot of folks we talk to are brand new entrepreneurs and everything's new to them. And so the more we can break it up into easy, understandable pieces and make those pieces very clear and concise, uh, the better. And a five-step system is thinking a really nice way of, of uh, getting across all the bits and pieces that can go into this and allows us to focus on one step at a time with, with the client. So it's worked out very nicely. Yeah, it sounds like you have a great framework. Now, I know you've had a lot of success in the crowdfunding space. Can you share with us some of your successes? Yeah, most recently we have uh, we had we had one club we launched. They're about to hit nine hundred thousand dollars. They've been wow. they've been live for maybe six weeks, seven weeks now. Many like that. I suppose one that stands out to me the most was a couple of years back. One of our first really successful launches was a company called Sheets and Giggles and founder, great guy, hilarious guy. Uh, and he was new in business and I was relatively new in business and we kind of went through this, this journey together and we worked with them for a while. They've gone on to be a super successful betting brand and and we've gone on, I think, to be a, to be a very successful uh, team as well. And that just felt like a turning point. So the Sheets and Giggles campaign, it did about $300,000, which is wonderful, but it's, it's not you know, a big campaign. But uh, that was a real inflection point, I think, for us in, in creating this business, refining this system, and really becoming known in, in the launch space. So I'd have to point to that one as uh, one of my favorites. What makes a good client for you in terms of being a good crowdfunding type product or client, if someone were to come to you, what are typical things that make them the, in the right format for that? From a, from a crowdfunding standpoint, you have to have a very specific kind of product. Not all products can be crowdfunded. That's a misconception, again, with people's expectations. Maybe five years ago, you could launch most products and do well crowdfunding, but now it's so competitive. But it's a massive misconception you can just launch a product. You need a very specific kind of product that's very unique in its space, has a good niche. You have to have the money to support the launch and back it uh, with, with real funds. Uh, so from a crowdfunding perspective, we look carefully at the kind of the kind of product it is. As for as for the kind of client, I mean for us, I just think they have to be willing to roll their sleeves up. When we the stage of the journey when we're involved, there's no getting away from hard work. You know, it's, it, this is the this is the, the 
biggest moment of, of their adventure so far. This is the launch. This is sometimes years of work has gone into this, or years of preparation, I should say. And then they're coming to this, this crux, this moment, and you've got to pull all the stops out. And so a, a great client for us is someone who's willing to pull all the stops out and be comfortable being uncomfortable because there's lots of things they'll need to do in this stage that they may not want to do. Like a lot of people don't want to be uh, too promotional about themselves, self-promotional or get their face out there that much. They love to be behind the scenes. You can't really get away with that in, in product launches. You have to be much more vocal. So you have to be comfortable being uncomfortable, willing to listen and roll your sleeves up. And once we get past this launch stage, uh, oftentimes the founders, uh, we'll start building out their team and a little bit of the pressure, they can wear less hats, but primarily number one, during that launch period, they've got to, got to be prepared to roll the sleeves up alongside us, because we do the same for every client, and uh, be prepared to give it give it a real big shot, because this is, this is the one chance. Yeah, that makes sense. And then in terms of drilling down on your business, I know I'm talking about crowdfunding a lot, and I, and I know you deal with product launches. What are the other areas? Amazon, I believe, is one. What are the areas that you typically, the channels that you'll use for product launches? There's very, there's very uh, consistent, common channels these days for product launches, and it's basically advertising, social advertising, search advertising. So almost any of the top-tier agencies We'll be using Facebook, Instagram, Amazon, Google ads to prepare for this launch. They'll be using a lot of called conversion rate optimization, which is like page design, you know, page funnel design, optimizing how people move through a, a journey and a checkout flow and stuff like that. And so it's primarily ads, design, and then email marketing. Those are the three core channels. You'll get other ones, you know, PR. Uh, there are some PR folks out there, influencers are a big thing as well, but they're the bread and butter of a launch now these days. If you're going to do it online, is social and search advertising, really. And then in terms of switching over to just marketing in general, what are you seeing in the current climate? Like, can you share with us what, what's working and what isn't? Yeah, I mean, I think one of the one of the biggest challenges a lot of people are facing now in the current climate it's just the competitiveness of the platforms people are using. Uh, podcast is one, you know, very getting, there's lots of podcasts out there getting very competitive. Uh, the advertising platforms, Facebook, Google, they've always been, I mean, for the last few years, they've been competitive, but it really is. Uh, all that budget and all that, all that focus from the advertisers is, is coming into these one or two platforms. And they just eat it all up, and uh, it's a very competitive space, which makes it really, really hard for folks with low-cost items uh, or folks with the items that don't necessarily generate an immediate return in e-commerce, for example, like apps, for example, or uh, looking at my water bottle. Things that aren't super expensive, uh, they're very hard and very challenging for them to, to get the product out there in a profitable manner just because it's so competitive and so expensive. And I think that's a big pain point that has to be solved by someone soon. I don't know who it's going to be. Uh, there's a few. Amazon, if they really spruce up their ad platform, could uh, take some of this focus away from Facebook and Google. 
There's a couple of kind of cryptocurrencies that are trying to present a more amenable manner of advertising online. But I really hope you know, Snapchat for a while people thought might come into it, and they haven't. But right now, I think the number one thing is competitiveness, and that just means that you've got to really zero in on and understand what's going to work for you. Remove as much risk as possible before investing your time, money, and energy into it, into something, uh, because it's just not as easy as it was before. And you've got to have all your ducks in a row, you've got to have everything on your checklist ready to go, and all your preparations done in order to make it successful, because it's just such a thin line between that success and not success. Switching over to your own business, what are some challenges that you're seeing in your own business that? You kind of have a rags to riches story. You know, you come over from the country, $800 in hand, built your own company now. What are some challenges that you're seeing in next stages for your company's growth? The biggest thing that I've, a couple of things I've learned. One is similar to what we talked about before, being okay with being uncomfortable. In the first couple of years, the revenue fluctuations of a service-based business were a real challenge for me mentally. You know, some months you have some real dry months, and uh, and that's tough. But coming to terms with that, embracing that there's going to be a lot of discomfort, and that's okay. That's a big learning curve, and now now I've become accustomed to that. Everything's much easier because I'm okay. So I know that if something's intense or bad or or risky or worrisome. I know that. In two months' time, I'm going to be sitting back, relaxing, thinking, God, this is an easy life, because that's the roller coaster that you can be on. So that's a massive uh, learning piece for me. And I think a second learning piece that is super relevant for, for this podcast and, and your listeners would be just the malleability of life and the ability to shape the life you want. The COVID has, has exacerbated people's independence and it led to, you see a lot of businesses have been launched in the last 12 months, a lot of business licenses have been, have been registered. Uh, there's a big push for entrepreneurship now, like there was in 2009, 2008. And, uh, and it's great because it's, it's this understanding that, oh man, I didn't have to get on the train and, and go to the office every day for, for nine hours. Uh, on a busy commute with a crowd of people and and people have really seen in this last 12 months the, the freedom and the independence you can have of how you want to mold your life. And that would took me quite a few years to learn by being a business owner. But I think that this last year, a lot of people would have learned that just by a consequence of, of all these lockdowns and hopefully take that with them. And hopefully the whole world of work is going to going to change and not going to go back to what it was before and, and everyone will have a much more free and, and independent lifestyle. Yeah, that's a great two-part answer. I particularly, what resonates with me is when you talk about how revenue tends to swing up and down. I mean, and that is such the life of a small business owner or a business owner in general. It's just, it has such cyclical phases or it can, depending on your business, and it can be an emotional roller coaster. And once you start to get comfortable with that and you kind of tend to look at the trajectory as a whole, rather than the month as an individual, you start to see the bigger picture in terms of, hey, this is the model, it's the way it works. And, and that's when 
you really start to build on it and it grows into something even bigger. That's great. Yeah. Something I did actually, maybe the end of last year, uh, obviously I, you track your revenue and your expenses. I, I used to look at it quarterly or annually, but what I did is I, I did like a, an ongoing scale where it could tracks all the way back to the start. And because it's been, you know, 48, 60 months now, and you see, you can see the pattern and the trends. And so things get quiet in summer, generally a quiet month for us. It's going to get quiet. And, but I can look back and see the, the trend and, and be okay with it. But that, and that comes with experience and the time. Hey, Will, we've really enjoyed chatting with you today. Do you think you can summarize for us something from the conversation for entrepreneurs or business owners that they can make actionable, they can take from this as a learning lesson? Yeah, I, I, I would lean towards the concept of, of validating an idea, whether you're a brand new entrepreneur with an idea of a new type of phone or you have an, an idea about a, a new nonprofit cause or political action idea or whatever the idea is, before going all in, take the time to prove that that concept is one that resonates with the people you want it to resonate with. And I promise you that the, the amount of money, time, sweat, tears that, that people will save by just doing that validation. And there's a great book, The Mum, the Mum Test, talks about this validation. That's a very quick and easy thing for someone to, to Google. Basically, don't ask your family and friends because obviously they're going to like whatever you do. But get your idea, get it into the hands of strangers or, or the minds of strangers and get that feedback on validation before before investing too much. So, Will, I'll put your contact info in the show notes. I'll also mention that book at thinktyler.com. But if the audience wanted to contact you directly, what's the best place to do that? Sure, you can contact me directly via email, which is will at russellmarketing.co, or you can just go to our website, russellmarketing.co, and check out what we're up to, and uh, you can contact our sales team there as well if you're interested in launching products. But if you have questions or any of your listeners just want to uh, chat or hear a little bit more about what, what I've been up to and how... They can learn from me, I suppose. Then feel free to shoot me an email personally. Okay, great. Hey, Will, thank you so much for your time. I wish you continued success. Great. Well, thank you very much for having me, Tyler. I really appreciate it. That's all for this episode of Think Business with Tyler. But we have plenty more resources to help you in your pursuit of business excellence on our website at thinktyler.com. If you'd like to be featured in a future episode of the show, feel free to reach out to us on social media at think underscore Tyler. We look forward to helping you think life, think success, and think business. Today is working for me. Do you believe that for yourself? Hey, I'm Pastor Julie, and I want to empower you through encouragement, inviting you to my podcast, Big Truth Encouragement, where I unpack living a faith-filled life. I created my podcast for the ladies, but gentlemen, you'll gain something too. So I invite you to listen to Big Truth Encouragement on Electricast and any platform where you listen to your podcast. Electricast. Hey there, I'm DC. I host the Rock Podcast, Back to the Arena, The Interviews. It's about a 30-minute podcast where I talk one-on-one with a band who has released new music. 
You can find us on all the best podcast sites like Spotify, Apple, Google, iHeartRadio, and more. If you're a rock fan like me, subscribe today to Back to the Arena, the interview. Electric acid.